This is the Fit for Adventure podcast. My name is Matt, and I'll be your guide on this adventure where you'll get to explore, to learn, and to create unforgettable experiences. We interview leaders in the outdoor industry to learn about lessons they've picked up from adventures and how the outdoors has shaped who they are. Our mission is to connect you to your potential through outdoor experiences and through leadership training so that you can step up and become the leader that you would look up to for your business, for your family, your community, and for yourself. You can learn more about Fit for Adventure by visiting mysummit.academy. And of course, if you are enjoying this podcast, please share it with a friend and leave us a five-star review. Now, it's time for the show. The world is painted as a scary place when you live most of your life within the confines of your immediate community, country, or culture. Not for our guest today, who joins us from her home in the Sierra Nevada mountains. Her name is Anna Pereira, and she's settled down in the small town of Yuba River, California, after what many would consider a lifetime worth of travel. Anna has backpacked and solo traveled across the world from Pakistan to Saudi Arabia, South America, Mexico, and Europe. We talked about her experiences while traveling, the challenges that she faced from the physical difficulty of the Himalayan mountains to getting robbed in Costa Rica. She teaches us lessons about measuring risk and chasing adventure. As a holistic health coach and a Czech practitioner, she helps her clients enjoy life and express themselves more wholly. She shares five fundamental tenets of health that she believes can apply to everyone and have a big impact on how you experience the world along with simple tools that you can use daily. Anna's leadership style is bringing people together through collaboration and community events to share knowledge and have fun. Anna brings with her a magnetic presence that can be felt the moment she walks into a room. Her impact includes co-creating a community and masterminds to network like-minded people for the healing arts, education, farming, apothecary, and meditation. Please join me in welcoming Anna to the show. Yeah. And we're on. <laughs> Hot start. Yeah. yeah, we are. So many exciting things. Yeah, I liked I like to just hit go, you know. <laughs> Especially you give me a you give me a, a little bit of excitement like that. That's a that's a big that's big news. What's the position? Well, tell me what you just told me. What, what, tell the audience. Yeah. 
I just accepted a job at the Cold Plunge, which um, the co-founders are friends of mine and many of the people who work there are friends of mine. So I get to create something incredible around cold immersion therapy and other health and lifestyle practices with friends. And so, um, yeah, what is that going to look like? We'll see. I mean, I, I haven't officially even started yet. So I don't have too many details, but uh, I'm just stoked to be working with people that I love and respect um, and am very aligned with. And like my theme going into 2022 was all about co-creation and collaboration and connection. And that's how I live my life. And mm. so I'm having all these facets of my life enter into those um those words. And that includes work. You know, I've been a solo entrepreneur the last um, year and a half as a holistic coach. And so there was like this feeling like I'm still going to be doing that. That's still a part of who I am. And mm. join something bigger um, and work with people who are aligned with a lot of the things that um, I've been coaching through and then we get to see what that becomes all around this idea and product of uh, making cold therapy more accessible and doable for people um, as well as you know heat and sauna work and the combination of those and that feeds into so many of these lifestyle practices that I know you and I both practice around meditation exercise breath work and all of these different practices that help to stimulate that hormetic effect that make us more resilient and healthier and more vital, like all the good things, right? Feeling good, looking good. So, so yeah, it's just all a part of what I do and who I am. Yeah, I imagine that feels really good to be connected with a company that you share so much in common with in terms of your values and uh, and what you enjoy too, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> and, and it's funny to say like people actually enjoy cold plunging and uh, it is enjoyable, right? It's, it, it can be really fun. It's the type of fun that you, you're like, I don't want to do this when you're, when you're dipping your whole body in and then you feel really good when you're finally settled, finally settled down. Do you have a, you have a cold plunge? Or do you do you do yours in the in the? Well, I have a river nearby, <laughs> and I go to the river, and you know, like six, seven months a year, it's, it's colder than cold. It's like forty degrees. Ooh, nice. Uh, it's maybe fifty right now, fifty-five, and it's about to start warming up pretty significantly. But the snow melt is still coming through from um, yeah. like up in Lake Sierra Mountain. So yeah, that's pretty cold pretty cold. Nice. And cold plunge, they've, they've just emerged in the last couple of years um, as a company, not even the last couple of years, they're relatively new as a company, right? One year or so. And from what I understand, like they're, they're making it accessible is a big part of their business model. Is that accurate? Is that like what, um, I know like making it more, uh, making it less expensive because I've looked into buying like a, a cold tank and they're just wildly expensive. Um, but you're keeping water at that temperature all the time and 
there's maintenance involved. Also, we can jump in for three minutes a day and get yeah. some more dopamine, right? What other, what other um, positive benefits do we get from that, that you're, that you know of? So real quick on, on the cold plunge, like big benefit of buying a cold plunge is the UV and ozone filter that keeps the water clean and you don't have to deal with that. Mm. And also like said, it keeps the temperature where you want it because if you don't, like you can get a, you can get tanks and go buy ice at the store, but then it's like, <laughs> that's like, you're not going to do that every day. So what other people have done is and they have commercial ice maker, but like that also has costs and it's also like kind of a, if you're going to do that every day and like put a bunch of ice into a tub, like it just, it takes time. Like, <laughs> Why not have a tub that does all that for you, but you could jump yeah. in before your day for one to three plus minutes and you're good to go. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of the benefits, there's a lot of benefits. And I'd imagine different for different people, like yes, increases dopamine and norepinephrine and like these things that help to boost our energy and our mood um, mm-hmm. and help us to like help to regulate our hormones. Um, and it falls in the realm of what's called a hormetic stress and in, in that a little stress that makes you stronger and more resilient physically, mm-hmm. mentally, and if you do too much of that too soon, there can be negative effects, right? Like to anything mm-hmm. that's exercise, that's cold plunge so it's all about finding the balance for you um and typically most people you're gonna getting benefits after being in the cold for one minute some a cold that's uncomfortable right it doesn't need to be like Mm -hmm. in the 30s but it should be uncomfortable like you don't want to be in it but you're gonna do Mm -hmm. it anyway and i would say one of the best benefits to that is you've got to anchor into your breath and the cold is going to demand so much presence. Like I've done cold therapy while on psychedelics. And what's funny is, you know, you're in that like mindset and then I go into the cold and all of it is gone. I'm just in the cold. I'm so present and so focused. And then I get out and suddenly I'm seeing stuff again. <laughs> like I've done them before. <laughs> like how powerful the cold is. Interesting. So, I wonder if that's because it slows down a lot of the things that are happening in your body, your blood, um, like your blood pressure lowers and your heart rate lowers and, or your heart rate may spike first, but then it'll balance out. But cold slows things down and, and could be, uh, that could be an effect. Interesting. Yeah. And, it just make presence and it gives you a win for the day. Yeah, that's, that's huge. I like to do it because it's hard. And if you can start your day or at least throw it into your day, do do something difficult, do some not difficult, not even something difficult because cold plunging isn't difficult by any means. You step into some water. Is that hard? It's accessible. It's easy for anyone to do it. It's, it's really uncomfortable though. And it's something that you have to, um, pressure yourself to do in a way and and because you're able to do that and then you add in the breath work and you're able to down regulate and you're able to steady your mind and be present okay now you're stacking on it's like you're just you've got a stack of um 
wins all in one shot from something you could do in about one minute. And you can go into the rest of your day knowing that, hey, I can do that. I can handle anything, anything that comes my way. Cold plunging is fun. I, and uh, doing uncomfortable things is fun. Um, uh, I want to I want to ask you because when we met, I was and we started talking and we got to know each other pretty well. And I asked, I asked a lot of questions, of course, and um, and you start telling me your stories. And you've got some fascinating stories. You've you've traveled the world, you've um, experienced a lot of things most people don't get to experience. And uh and I found that I found that really interesting because it's it's very rare, um, especially where I live and in the environment I grew up in, um, for people to take off um, alone or even if it's with friends and um, and explore the unknown is um, something that I found admirable. And uh, and I want to start with this question: um, How has adventure? found its way into your life? It's something I've always loved and been interested <laughs> in. <laughs> like yeah. I have memories of um, playing the explorer, like with my friends at age five and planning vacations for my family when I was eight. Like loving that element and uh, being in nature and I, I'm a first-generation American, so my dad is from the Azores of Portugal. He moved here when he was nine, and my mom is from Guatemala, and she moved here in her early 30s before I was born. And so we traveled, like, to visit family. I spent a lot of time in Guatemala as a, as a kid, so, like, I think that also was a part of it, like, just being exposed to those experiences so young and uh, really enthralled with it, like, I knew I wanted to travel the world since I was, you know, a teenager or even earlier than that. I used to love studying maps and stuff um, in grade school. <laughs> so that kind of gives you a foundation, right? And I definitely resonate with the seeker archetype, which is like, I have this, this urge to explore and to understand the human experience and what that entails. And I do feel that a part of the human experience is this call for adventure, that hero's journey that we go on. So, yeah, I, you know, it's not that I don't have fear, but I've um, made a point in my life to face those fears with courage and just go for things, even if they're um, a bit unconventional or against the norm. So, yeah, when I graduated college, I didn't have the money I wanted to travel. And I went and worked for a Fortune 50 company and did pretty well and took that. And my boyfriend at the time, we're now engaged. Um, we traveled for a year and did a sabbatical, but I wasn't quite finished after that. And I ended up working online and doing like writing and working for a travel blog, a lot of their SEO stuff which kept me on the road for a few years. So I lived basically out of a backpack for like three years and I would still come back home, sometimes live at my parents' house or at Rock's parents' house for a bit, um, like in between 
journeys, but I basically didn't have an address for a while there. And so, yeah, that was just a really awesome, fun part of my life. And I um, really wanted to go to the most adventurous places possible. And so I, you know, Rock and I went to sub-Saharan Africa, spent some time in East Africa and Southern Africa, South Africa. Um, I went to India and Nepal by myself, um, Bali, Thailand. Uh, we did, uh, went from Mexico to Panama, basically by bus. Um, and yeah, other places among that, Pakistan, etc. So yeah, the, and the list there's a there's an ever growing <laughs> things I love to experience and see, but I haven't traveled for a few years. I've been um, more dedicated to like putting down roots and growing my mm -hmm. community. That's like where I'm at right now. But travel and adventure is always a part of who I am. So mm -hmm. <laughs> I like how you said that you wanted to find and travel to the most adventurous places. How did you decide what those were? What what stood out to you as like um, adventurous? What was the the criteria for that? Yeah, as far away from my normal as possible. You know, like different cultures and religions, terrain, landscape. Like I'm a big nature girl. Like a lot of my travels, I've um, based around the ability to explore these wild and sacred places. Um, so that's a part of it as well. Like, so yeah, just getting to experience something completely different than I could you know, living here on the West coast of the U S. Um, mm. yeah. What, what, it, when you were, um, when you were in that, in that lifestyle and in that, um, in those experiences, I imagine you got to, um, I imagine there were some moments of fear and some moments of uh, what's the word? Hmm. Doubt, uncertainty, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Does anything stand out to you? Yeah, for sure. Like from a, from a physical perspective, I would challenge myself and, and like just go on, um, these hikes, I wouldn't say there was fear around it, but there was challenge, like just doing okay. these really hikes, um, getting into free diving, which, you know, that's where you're, you're diving on one single breath. And like, that's a very uncomfortable feeling, <laughs> learning how to like um, establish a relationship with CO2 levels rising in your body. And that gives you that, like, you know, when you hold your breath and you start shaking and like that mm -hmm. <laughs> feeling, you know, that's the CO2 rising. And so there's stuff like that. Um, also little things like constantly having to um, familiarize yourself with the place that's completely new and just do the, mm. the tasks you sort of take for granted, like getting food and going to the store and like having a place to stay and like just constantly figuring those things out and often in different languages and having some mm -hmm. weird travel transportation situations that did I can tell you a couple of those stories that kind of ignited some fear. And then on the flip side, there was like the internal stuff I'm going through, like, I'm doing this, I love this, but what's my purpose? Like, am I supposed to go into the travel industry? Like, what, 
am I here to create? Who am I? Like I'm going through all of these questions of self-discovery while going through all these different experiences that were unknown. And um, sometimes in that feeling really lost and then finding myself Mm. in that. So, yeah. In terms of like, I never felt like scared for my life though. I always, um, yeah, and and so I have a lot of gratitude for that. The world's not as scary as it's made out to be, and sometimes that's a big scary lesson. Stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a great lesson. And um, yeah, I was talking to my wife recently about we just renewed our passports, and I was like, "Well, let's go somewhere. Where do you want to go? <laughs> uh, I'd love to travel around Mexico and see what that's like." And she had some fear around that. You hear some stories, you know, um, don't go outside the resorts or, you know, don't drive at night. Um, I could say the same thing about like parts of New York City. And it's really funny because, yeah, the world is painted to be a scary place outside of where you live because, yeah, we, there's safety in, in community and family and in knowing the language and in knowing uh, the streets really well and uh, being able to find your way home and anything else is it can be really scary I find myself though like when I go to a new place I I'll memorize the maps <laughs> and I'll like uh, I'll try to learn the language if I need to or figure out the culture try to adapt to the culture because it's interesting to me it's like I get really curious um about how people live. And I wonder, you know, is it really scary or is it just different? Are they living a different lifestyle than us? And, and yeah, I could imagine being, having, having traveled around so much that you felt out of place sometimes, or like you said, lost, or you're like, you're finding your purpose. And, and I've experienced that too. And I haven't had nearly as much world travel experience as you have, um, I've been all over the country, though, and definitely felt in places that, you know, where it's, in, it's completely different. And, you know, even the way that I speak, sometimes my New York accent comes out <laughs> and I get I get looked at. It's funny. Um, and I realize, hey, everyone's just here trying to do the same thing. We're, we're just existing. I just happen to be from somewhere else. And um and yeah, that exploration bug bites hard and you just want to see what happens, right? Is that is that a lot of what was going through your mind? Like, let me see what happens here. I want to see where, where this takes me. Oh, yeah. And like, learn, like having these beautiful human experiences with people of like, you know, uh, Muslim religion and culture or like, mm. just having like these memories in, in Morocco and Egypt and Uganda and Mexico, like, create having these heart-to-heart connections with people even if we didn't language and weren't communicating although frankly most people around the world speak English in pretty much every country but um yeah um a side note Mexico is amazing I'm mm-hmm. one of my favorite countries to travel in in terms of safety like yeah like you do have to be more wary and have common sense around, um, particularly around theft in other countries, 
even in Europe, right, which we consider, you know, Western culture, like theft is very, mm-hmm. very common there, pickpocketing. And so, and then in other countries, people are using knives and guns to do that. And so you want to avoid those situations by generally avoiding being out super late at night alone <laughs> um, or wearing flashy things or having like a lot of expensive um, things on you or a ton of money on you. Mm. So it's just little things like that, learning to be wary of that. And that's something that in a lot of places here, we don't have to uh, particularly worry about. Though in the city, like you said, like in New York City, parts of New York and Chicago and LA and stuff, you do have to worry about that as well, or at least be cognizant. Mm-hmm. So, and then also with with hearing about stuff, you know, about the, like, um, uh, like in Latin America, there is a lot of our cartel um movement and so most of that's happening in certain parts of the cities or in regions where there's a lot of money that, so the irony mm-hmm. is that like you know like that's happening that drives the economy a lot too doesn't it yes they're, they're going where there's money and people want drugs yeah. right so that's mm-hmm. going to be in these like more tourist-like spots um and also that's like not really affecting the tourist as much as the business owner Mm-hmm. Um, and and being out late at night and being around those types of situations. So just like generally, like you know, you're you're good. Just keep a mm-hmm. an ear out. But like in Mexico, for example, like everyone that I met was so kind, so amazing. Um, I've got a few friends that are born and raised there. I got a, an opportunity to like live and see like and hang out with them and experience life from their perspective and it's just such a beautiful country so it's not that there's nothing wrong but we all have our stuff mm-hmm. in every every culture and country you know yeah 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 it's it, when you're going anywhere there's there's things you want to be aware of and and most of the time you know it's up to you it's up to you what you are willing to get yourself into and you know, you, you take risks and you assess risk as much as you can. Um, now I'm sure you've learned how to assess risk and, and make good decisions along the way as well. And a big thing, you know, one, one of the biggest things I've learned um, in traveling and, and we talk, I talk about adventure and, um, you know, different types, types of experiences that challenge you and are, um, we could say dangerous, but all challenging is a better word. Um, there's a lot of lessons that come from it. And, uh, and we learn to overcome certain things. Have you, uh, have you gained any life lessons from, from your travels or from your adventures? Oh, yeah. I mean, best way to learn something is mistake. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know. What's, what's the biggest, like, mistake you've made? Oh, like while traveling um we got robbed pretty hard in costa rica and it was just like in this moment of being so infatuated with like this experience we're having and these people we're meeting and camping on the beach and we went to this beach that felt pretty remote and um we were just gonna step out for a few minutes and we left our stuff in the car which is a big no-no i mean it was locked and stuff but like you just don't want to do that but we were in between destinations we had to have all our stuff on us and this beach had like hundreds of thousands of little crabs um 
like walking on it so it was like the whole, the <laughs> sand looked like it was moving like it was so cool and then there were all these people practicing these different flow arts and we just kind of got distracted while yeah. leaving all our stuff in the car and we came back and everything was gone passports computers cameras everything um but like blessing in that was we weren't there we didn't you know have our we weren't in harm's way i had everything insured which i definitely if you're going to travel for a long time definitely get personal liability insurance mm. just, just a quick tip it's like i had um thousands of dollars of stuff like laptops and compute um and cameras and lenses and stuff on this for like a few dollars a month um via like state farm personal liability insurance and they gave us like the um the money to buy, to replace that stuff so like so chill right the hardest part about that was just like the passport situations we had to go to the embassy and get new passports and keep going back and forth to san jose the capital mm. and just it was a bit of a headache but it was in retrospect actually like an inconvenience pretty, more than anything yeah inconvenience if anything like, you know, <laughs> it was a learning experience that could have been a lot worse and it was actually pretty chill so how did you know how did you know to get in to get uh liability insurance was that something you, someone told you or um you looked it up it was recommended because that's a great yeah. that's a great tip <laughs> yeah i researched i and you know i worked for a travel blog for a couple of mm -hmm. years while doing this a lot of stuff about this like how to like find cheap tickets and how to like properly pack and what to do and see and like little things like that. So I got pretty privy to having my base covered. Mm. You know, if you're gonna travel like that for a long time, generally like having some type of a health uh, liability insurance in different countries is a good idea. Like fortunately I never had to use it, but I know many people who have. There's just little things like that. Um, mm -hmm. help make the trip more seamless. I'm curious about your holistic health practices and, you know, you haven't traveled in a couple of years and you've been focusing on, uh, you know, you've been doing your own thing as a solo entrepreneur and, and coaching people and, and you've got a lot of passion for health and, and what I, what I see as um, vitality, right? Life, just living life to its fullest potential and optimizing that is the buzzword we can use, right? What, what got you into that? What, how'd, you, how'd you get curious about health practices and, and where has that taken you? What, tell us about that. Sure, so <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm grateful for Rock, my partner. He, he grew up, um, his mom's a traditional naturopath and a spiritual teacher. And so he grew up around a lot of that. We started dating when we were about 21. And um, at that time, I was opening up to a lot of these ideas around health, but I was pretty clueless. Like, <laughs> but I thought Subway was healthy because it had vegetables on it, you know? <laughs> like, that was like where I was at that point. And I'm like, hmm, like this isn't really working. I don't feel very good. And I feel you know, I didn't know the terms for that, but I was pretty inflamed and brain fog and not sleeping well and getting sick often, like just a lot mm. of those things 
started first to change the way I ate and eating a lot less processed food. I read Rob Wolf's book, Paleo Solution. I was 21 yeah. and like that was like, whoa. And um, just spending a lot more time in nature. And to, we, we cultivated a lifestyle around camping and hiking, just being outside and eating well and getting into organic food. And then from there, it was just this like, this like hunger for knowing and understanding like what is the optimal human experience and what does health look like and I started getting into this in like the age where podcasts started becoming really popular right like 2014 2013 mm-hmm. onward and while I was traveling I was like reading and digesting so much information in podcasts like hours and hours all the time and like I, I have a tendency to research things very deeply. And I feel like one of my skill sets is the ability to do that and synthesize information and make it digestible for people. So I spent pretty much all of my 20s, I'm turning 30 in a couple of months, um, exploring these different facets of health and different modalities, East and West. And so that's brought me to this point of seeing health in a very holistic way of body, mind, and spirit. And a huge part of that is understanding like who you are on a soul level and what you're here to do and why and living in alignment with that and what your overarching dream and virtues and core values are. And also just doing stuff you love to do and playing and dancing and community and all of these elements like like just light us up huge part of health and then there's the structural component of our body and keeping that aligned so as you know I'm um, trained through the Czech Institute we do these biomechanic assessments and use corrective stretching exercise nutrition and lifestyle to bring balance into the body um and so, yeah, I, I approach health in the structural, the biochemical, the bioelectrical, and the spiritual sense. And everything I do with clients, I've done on myself. I treat myself as a guinea pig <laughs> for sure, but just helping people to see the parts that may be out of balance in their lives and how to create more har- harmony through that and modulate stress in a way that's conducive to how someone genuinely wants to live their life. And that's going to look different for me than for you and for someone else for a lot of reasons. And that's okay. It's not a one size fits all approach. We have different constitutions and different reasons for being here. And we live in different environments and encounter different stressors and have different physiology. <laughs> so like there's all these different elements um, to, to account, but but yeah, there's just general practices around health that I think we can all work on and optimize. And that's the quality mm. of like our diet, our food and our water and our light and our connection with nature because we are nature and disconnection from nature is a huge part of disease. Disconnection, stagnancy and resistance, right? When we, when we forget change and connection is a part of life we start to encounter these these imbalances um and that's a huge part you know breath getting in touch with the breath and the elements and quality food and water and yeah those are like the basics right the way we think <laughs> the word use our belief systems and our relationships so all of that in 
one is what I see as health and vitality. It's, I, you know, we can talk about that and it's so obvious because, well, you've experienced it all over the world at this point and seeing the differences, like in, in the States, people talk about health very differently. Um, when I talk about health with my parents, it's doctors and medication and the pharmacy. And, um, and then when I talk about it with, with you or other coaches or some of my friends, it's how'd you sleep <laughs> or did you go outside today? And, uh, and it's a cultural thing. It's a cultural problem. It's an economic problem too, right? We're driven by, we're driven economically by what we do or what we do is driven economically. And, um, and I imagine getting to experience different cultures and seeing how other, how people live. Um, for example, in, in Nepal or Pakistan in the mountains is wildly different because they're all alive and doing well physically. Um, most of them better than what I would imagine most people in, in the United States and, uh, and medications are not the norm, right? They have more holistic approaches to their lifestyle. In fact, most of those things aren't even on their mind. It's, it's just part of, part of their day, part of their life. And, and what I notice about you is that's what you've created for, for you and your, your partner and for your community that you're building. It's, it's a lifestyle around these things. And, and, oh man, you can tell the difference. Like you said before, the brain fog that you get, Sometimes I like to, I like to, um, I like to cheat on my diet once in a while. I like to have pizza. I live in New York and I feel like garbage for days, but I know that going into it and it's a sacrifice once in a while. Right. Or sometimes you just really want to have a beer and it affects you on a really, on a cellular level. And, um, in your brain, you can, you feel the sensations changing when you are so in tune with it. And, and I wanted to ask, um, and you already mentioned this, but like, if you had to summarize health in three bullet points, like what are the three simplest things people can do to make the biggest change and make the biggest difference in their health? What would, you, what would that be? It may be different answers for different people, but okay, I would say first, hydration. Like understanding what real hydration is, and that's not just drinking a lot of water. So like misunderstanding with that. We can go on and on about um, <laughs> water and the quality of water and all these things. But I would say like number one is just at least getting some filtered water and understanding how to remineralize your, your body. Um, so I like using things like shilajit and quintone, um, which are sea minerals and things like that. So hydration, really important. Um, number two, I would say owning the first hour of your day. And so how you start your day is gonna really set the tone for your day and how you live each day is gonna set the tone for your life. And you don't need to be 
like there's a lot of people in our worlds that they have these extravagant morning rituals like it's not necessary for everyone but I think at least having a couple of core things that anchor you in and set you up for success for that day or at least um provide the opportunity to go into your day with more intention versus reaction. So in my opinion, one of the worst ways to start your day is to go immediately to your email and to your phone and be reactive to what other people are pushing in front of you um, that takes you away from who you are. And this is especially important because right before we go to bed and right as we rise, um, our brain in wave states, we're in this more malleable state, kind of in that theta alpha range. And so that's when you are actually the most um, susceptible to programming. So like starting your day by watching the news and checking your social media and your email is like basically a recipe for disaster. Whereas if you can start with just a few deep breaths, doing some breath work or meditation or movement, um, a you know, the hydration that I just mentioned, creating some sort of a stack where you can have these few practices and it doesn't, like I said, need to be this two hour extravagant thing. It could be 15, 20 minutes, but that's going to be a huge difference. So, mm. so, the, so hydration, how you start your day and how you end it. Um, mm. And then also I would say community. Yeah, and if the last few years have taught us anything, like the creating community and a support system, and I do work with a lot of people who don't feel they have that yet. And um, part of creating that means getting, getting very clear on who you are authentically and true and, and taking the, the jump to truly be and embody that. And as you are that person, you will attract the people who resonate with that frequency. And mm -hmm. I know that personal experience because the people in my life right now are like, it's just like invigorating and lighting up. And, and you know, you, you mentioned having that pizza, having that beer, like, yeah, we don't want to do that you know, all the time. But sometimes that's part of the medicine too. We get this experience and it's even better when it's with people we love. And that's been a huge lesson for me because I've had these periods of my life where I'm super like disciplined and diligent and don't eat any sugar, any this, any that. <laughs> it's like, I don't know if I've been healthier for that level of stress that I've put on myself mm. by like having this quote unquote perfect diet or lifestyle. Instead, now it's just tuning into like what I need and want in that moment. And consciously, if I'm going to eat something that is a suboptimal choice, like doing it consciously, having like reverence for that, enjoying that, and like not having any guilt around that, because that's like what really creates that dis like stress mm. is like the guilt, like, oh, I shouldn't have eaten that. Oh my God. You know, people, that's our culture. Our diet culture is so guilty, so guilt driven. And so, like, stepping away from that. And I think that having community and support is a, is a big mm. part of creating that. Ideally, community that's in alignment with, with these ways of living, if that's how you want to live. Um, mm -hmm. And people who honor and see you for who you are. So. So I heard two things there. One, it's not that hard. 
Yeah. Right. We make it hard, right? (laughs) We make it, we make it so hard. We make it so difficult and challenging. Um, And, and the more in tune you can get with your body, I imagine the better results you'll get. And, and what I find too, is a lot of people and in my experience coaching, um, people will gravitate toward the thing that they see other people doing or they think is best for them. And, you know, sometimes you have the community that you grew up with, you're given, and you, it's really hard to control that. And, and you, even though you have this separation in your head of like, or misalignment, right, in your head of values and of goals and desires, right? You're still surrounded by people who are influencing you to do things that you don't necessarily believe in or want or enjoy. And, and that causes more disease than, than the actual consumption or overconsumption. It's the, it's the connection with other people that is out of alignment with, with your energy. And, and, and oftentimes people don't, aren't even aware of that because it's so difficult to tune into your body and, and actually know what the signs are when you're feeling stressed or when you're feeling um, uncomfortable in a situation or when you're happy. I asked someone the other day, hey, when's the last time you laughed so hard you cried? And she said, I don't know. And this is a 35-year-old woman. And it, and written, written with conflict in her language and in, you know, projection and and so much angst and anxiety and so you know in coaching her she's asking for advice and all I said was find someone that's gonna make you laugh or that you can laugh with that's your homework can you go do that or find something that you're you're gonna be able to do and smile on a daily basis for like 30 seconds that's all it takes and I like how you said to start your day with some, some sort of practice. Lately, my practice has been um, one, not setting an alarm. I haven't set an alarm in like a, in about a month and I've been waking up earlier, happier, faster. I get up and I uh, make my coffee and then I'll sit down on my yoga mat um, and just breathe and drink my coffee and make some notes in my journal about what I'm going to do, you know, for the day. And and in five minutes, I am able to be more productive for the rest of the day. I am more clear and focused. And it's so simple. It it, that yeah, simplicity. That's what I heard. It's so simple. And we make it so hard. (laughs) Like, you know, like, there's so many there's so much to do there's so much in this health where there's all these different breath work and meditation practices and movement practices I told you I'm like the seeker the explorer so I like I jump around and I try all these things do all these courses and all these different types of exercises and yeah but like I don't feel the need anymore to like do it all at once there's actually mm-hmm. you want to learn but you also want to give yourself the space to digest and to integrate what you learn. Mm -hmm. Otherwise that knowledge is just knowledge. It's not wisdom. Wisdom is actually experiencing and integrating knowledge. And like, it's not about how much it's about how well, and 
well-meaning, not like in a way of like, you've got to achieve, but in a way of just being true. So wellness in terms of like being well with your, with your body, being well with your mind and, and being okay with, with your, with what you're doing, not judging yourself because you're bad at meditation or <laughs> there's, well, there's, there's so many. <laughs> no such thing as being bad at meditation. People get hung, like hung up on like having like this quote unquote monkey mind, but it just takes practice. You know, we live in a world that is so conducive to like um, thinking of a million things at once and um, mm. you're not going to get that. I just made a post about this, uh, a story on my Instagram and it was um responding to a to a question somebody had asked or something somebody had said about um about sitting with your thoughts and being able to analyze your thoughts and and something that I've enjoyed and I picked up this practice a long time ago when I when I got into endurance running because you need to be able to calm your mind when you're running for 10 15 20 30 miles is being able to imagine your thoughts as something else right as leaves blowing in the wind or fish in the water and, and every once in a while you can you can pick one out and and it doesn't necessarily mean that it's yours it's it exists and and the mind is especially in the cities in even in your home when you're in front of technology there is so much input of light and sound and words and words create stories and, and thoughts in our heads and can elicit behaviors. And, and then you may experience certain energies like fear or anger or uh, sadness, and these create more thoughts. So there's a constant flow, right? It's like running water. Does that mean that they're all true and real for you? No, it's, it's more so like, this is how your mind is processing everything. And then as you get quote unquote better with meditating, meaning you feel more, you feel better about it, right? You're able to allow these thoughts to flow without being bothered by them or getting all shaking up and getting the breath in your chest so breathing is a huge plays a huge role but just acknowledging the fact that we are human we experience these things we think a lot and um and you get to decide you get to choose what's what's matters to you and then pick the ones that you like and and, and yeah too much input input from other people input from the world the environment um there's a lot of people telling you what to do, you know? Yeah. The more you one can decide mottos, for yourself, right? Yeah. One of my mottos is create more than you consume. You know, we can yeah. consume, it's a part of what we do, but do you create more than you consume? And how much control do you have over what you're consuming? That's like a, actually, you know, let's add that to the list. <laughs> like mm. what doing on a daily basis you know through news social media the people you're surrounded by all of that input has a direct influence upon who you are and your output and I'll add a fifth thing Matt because it's something I <laughs> probably the newest thing I've been doing consistently is dancing like especially Ooh. as things have opened up 
we had some stuff going on here throughout the whole last couple of years, but it's like really picking up right now. And like, I've been going dancing with my friends a couple of days a week. Like just that, like, like unstructured, like just fun and play and just getting down and having like laughing. And like, that is so healing. It's like a combination of movement, meditation and music, like three of the most healing things you can do all in one with people and also just getting really comfortable with yourself. Cause like in our culture, we don't grow up dancing, you know, most people use alcohol or other social lubricants as a crutch to like dance. I don't know if you've experienced that, but like, I feel like growing up, that was like a very, right. So like getting into these places where you don't need a crutch and you feel comfortable in your body and you just have fun and not worrying what people think. And that translates into so many facets of life. So Mm -hmm. um, that's been really nourishing on a lot of levels and super Mm -hmm. fun. Add that, if anyone listening hasn't done ecstatic dance or anything like that'll make you feel a little uncomfortable at first, but it's, it's a great experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is, that is an area that I am uh, eager to jump into. That is a part of myself that I've yet to really, really let out and explore. Um, and I'm so open to it because um, I've felt the energy um, from it. And even, you know, swinging a mace or a rope, right? You'll get yes. a similar feeling. And it, it, it elicits what we can call flow, which is a brainwave state. And it's what I consider to be just 100% presence. I get it when I'm writing sometimes. You're just in the zone. And, and, so, and the, the mind shuts down and the words appear on the screen. My fingers do the typing or my hand does the writing. Um, when I'm playing the guitar on stage or in a group of friends or I'm singing, oh man, then, then it comes out. It's like, um, like that scene from the movie old school. Have you ever seen that movie with Will Farrell? And he goes up on stage and has a debate and he just blurts out this thing and he no idea what he said. And he's like, I blacked out for a moment and it's like genius. And that's what flow is. It's like genius comes out, whatever your genius is. And people are, I think, afraid to let that out. They're afraid of being judged by it. But it's, in reality, it's like the most blissful thing. It, it's, uh, and, and freeing. And, and you feel as though you're on top of the world when you can do that um, freely and openly. It's beautiful. So I've got five things now. Hydration, right? A daily practice, community, creation, dancing. Yeah, finding flow. We can, we can open it up to that. Finding Use flow. Journaling. And I love all these flow art. You know, we've, we've bonded over that. Like, rope yeah. And all this stuff. Because, yeah, it's like, like don't get me wrong. I, I like doing like a structured workout, going to the gym and lifting and stuff like that. But there's something so fun about you no. Know, no reps or time, just put on some good music and move um, and ex- experience your and learn about your body and create that awareness. And like, I'm a big believer in how our posture and how we carry ourselves and, and 
have that body awareness, how it influences our mind and how like we're perceived and what we put out in the world. Like you can see it. Like if I, if I tell you like, what does someone who's super stressed look like? Like, what are you going to imagine? Like, like constriction, right? Or like someone who's ner- like, you know, not confident or in themselves, feeling insecure, kind of just, you're going to kind of picture someone who's a bit more like hunched and just like literally guarding their heart versus someone, if I tell you like someone who's open hearted, I imagine you're going to picture someone who literally their posture has an open heart and they go in and they have these incredible hugs. And like, so there's just, I think movement and our way we exercise and all of that, that's a way to cultivate um, our emotional state. Talking about incredible hugs. (laughs) I remember um, at the summit, we went to the strong coach summit and who was it? Jared right big tall guy massive human being yeah and as soon as I walk up to him first time meeting him in person and he is exactly that arms open wide and he's like give me a hug and it's like heart to heart hugs and uh, and I went about doing that with every single human being that we can because it's it's something so um powerful when you can connect with a person and and sit there for a moment you know hold it for a second take a deep breath um that's actually part of like a tantra practice is breathing together and and embracing in that way and it's it's so fucking beautiful and magical it feels really good and you walk away like regardless of the relationship with the person you've just decreased all the tension and stress it's like discharging right oh and uh, dopamine <laughs> oxytocin right yeah all those chemicals whatever but the feeling it's just love touch it's great Connection. and I, it's interesting how you said um you talk about the posture because in the story work when we when i do story work with people we, we hit the right note and we get them, we get finally get someone to breathe into their diaphragm and you'll notice their all of a sudden their shoulders will depress and their, and their back pain will disappear. <laughs> or I've had, I've had somebody say to me that his wife said he would, he looked taller. A client of mine that I worked with, he's like, my wife told me I looked taller. I don't know. What did you do? <laughs> And we did some exercise, like we he had to fix his posture a ton and then some breath work and some story work and people hold on to tension for so long somatically, like in the body. And, and sometimes it's like low back tension or mid back or shoulders and, and people hold on to that. Like it's a badge of honor in a way and they're afraid to let it go. And when they finally can, when it gets released, a lot of things about people change. And so it be, it's becomes like a habitual thing, right? Your body language is very much habitual. And it tells a lot about a person too. It really does. I want to, I want to finish this up um, on the topic of adventure. What have you got planned? What's next? Ooh, well, 
honestly, every day I wake up and I feel just so grateful to be alive and so stoked mm. for life. Just everything is so magical right now. Um, I've been pretty on the move, as you know, like since the summit. Um, yeah. I did Aldoa level one and two course, which is all about creating decompression in the spine. I went to a music festival with friends. I've been like doing family dinners with my friends. I've done one every night of this week and most of last week. Been with friends and family. Like so that's what's happening. I'm just loving that. Going to the river when I'm not working and um, just that human to human connection. Tomorrow, as you know, uh, I'm hosting with a couple of my friends that are also in the health and wellness space. We're hosting a community-driven event we're calling The Gathering, and we're getting people together to do somatic breath work, cold immersion, um, eat really amazing, nourishing food, and just really the premise of it is connecting people in this concept of real community. And so that's coming up. In terms of trips and adventure, I'm going to be in Mexico the end of the summer. And I'm going to be doing some free diving with my friend who's turning 30. She's, uh, we're celebrating her birthday and going to all get together and like just have a good time. Um, so stoked on that. And I'm sure I'll be doing some hiking this summer. I always do at least, at least like a night backpacking trip in the Sierra Nevadas. And that's pretty much what I have on play. Like, I don't have anything else set in stone, but I'm talking to some friends about, as you know, about doing some like bigger retreats and mm -hmm. these mastermind experiences and also doing like an eco village tour in Costa Rica um, and just meeting with more people who have this shared vision of creating these community healing and education centers. So that's really big on my mind, as well as of course, um, this job coming up with the cold plunge and like how mm. that's going to make my life. So yeah, there's, there's a lot. And my baby sister's having a baby in July. So I'll be out in Kansas um, for that. So like, that's a really big, exciting deal. So um, yeah, that, does that answer your question? That's a lot of stuff coming up, huh? Yeah, it sounds to me like you have a lot planned and a lot of um, ideas and a lot of unknowns because, hey, new job. And you, what I notice about you is you're a person that very much goes with the flow and follows your heart. And, and that could change, you know, quickly. And it's exciting. That's a really, um, it's a nice trait. It's a nice characteristic to be able to do that. And for people, um, for people listening who are listening to your stories and saying to themselves, oh, I'm, I'm never going to be able to do that. What would you say to them? Oh, I mean, to be able to, to be able to just go and take the risks and journey. I would say, yeah, get, get clear on like, what your dreams are and the things that you're called to do on a heart level, like the things that are really calling you on that, that call to adventure that we talked about, there's a reason for that. Mm -hmm. We're all meant to do something great in our unique way. 
So like my journey is not going to look like yours and all of this. And if, if so mm-hmm. someone's listening to this and they're like, I want to travel or I want to do this, like these health practices or like, I want a community that I don't feel like I quite have yet. Like my advice would be to like follow your heart as cheesy as that may sound and have trust and faith in that experience. And like, you can't predict everything. And it's not that there's not going to be challenges, but that's how we learn and grow. Mm. And like put yourself in positions where you learn and you grow. And um, yeah, resisting change and growth is only gonna create more pain, which is how we Mm. learn anyway, it's through pain. pain is that great teacher so embrace that um and then I would also say like from a more like okay like how do you do that like practically (laughs) I've I've meditation is really really helpful like and and if you want to do a guided meditation Joe Dispenza meditations which a lot of that is about um putting yourself and in in the state of emotion of which like essentially the frequency in which you already have what you're desiring. So instead of like wanting something from a place of lack, you're embodying the person that already has that and feeling those emotions that come with that. And mm-hmm. as you grow to that person, and as you know, through story work and all of these incredible tools that you use and like redefining who you are, um, like the way you think, like that's like the core way to make anything you want happen. So that's my advice. Beautiful. Like, yeah, get very clear on that. Make it happen. I think anyone really can make it happen. And if anyone's listening to this and they have any questions, like um, you can reach out to me. You can send me a direct message on Instagram. My uh, handle is at energy with Anna, A-N-A. And I'm always happy to help with the travel stuff, the health stuff. It's like what I love to do. So yeah feel free to reach out. Nice. Yeah. And I'll, I'll put a link to you and every, everywhere people can find you. They'll, they'll have that in, uh, in the show notes here. And, um, and, and yeah, this goes out in my, to my email list and all over. I am all about connecting people together. And I I've been really fortunate and, and happy, um, in, my journey like as a podcaster right because I get to talk to the coolest people from literally all over the world and this is amazing something I never thought I'd be able to do or do or want to do and 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 oftentimes um, I'll be talking to someone and I'll say hey I interviewed this person once who I think can help (laughs) And then they become like best friends or they get, you know, a good client coach relationship or a business partnership. And that's happened so much. And so it's so, it's so fulfilling for me to see that happen. Um, Anyway, Anna, thank you for your leadership and your soul and your kindness and all of your love. I appreciate your time too. And I'm excited to see, uh, to see what comes and what's next for you. Yeah, definitely. Imagine yourself 
14,000 feet above the earth, looking out over the landscape below you. You can see for miles and your team is right by your side. You earned this view. You put in the effort. You committed to yourself and you followed through. Fit for Adventure is an opportunity for you to cut off the distractions and put your mindset and your fitness to the test so you can come out a stronger leader on the other side. You'll spend four days in the mountains of Colorado where you will practice outdoor skills and the art of leadership while building lifelong friendships and unforgettable memories. In life, there are so many distractions and it can be difficult to go about your day without losing focus. When you're on the mountain, you can only focus on so much. Your feet under you, the trail ahead, and the team you have around you. And every time you look up, you are reminded of your goal, the summit. And your team, they're thinking the same thing. Fit for Adventure begins July 13th and is open to 10 coaches and entrepreneurs who are making an impact on their communities and who value freedom and seeking challenges in order to grow. You're invited to join, and as a listener, you can grab your spot for a $150 deposit. Please visit mysummit.academy retreat or find the link in the show notes to apply. Will you answer your call to adventure?